0: We're starting a new series on a portrait of the Antichrist. The word Antichrist, of course, speaking of those against Christ. And we're going to look at some of the main players that are part of the last days. The evil leadership. It says in Hebrews 10, verse 25, Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Well, the day is approaching. And we need to meet together. We need to encourage one another with what the Lord has to say. And So, encourage you this morning. Our text is Revelation chapter 12. And we're going to look at the first six verses. As we focus on one of those portraits of evil, the Antichrist. The red dragon. So I encourage you to stand. As we look at Revelation 12 verses 1 through 6. A great and wondrous sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun. With a moon under her feet. And a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain. As she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven. An enormous... "...red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his heads. His tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth, so that he might devour her child the moment it was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne." The woman fled into the desert to a place prepared for her by the Lord, where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. Let's pray. Father, we are in last days. And we need to be reminded that your return, Lord, could be at any moment, Father. And there is a time... Father, that is discussed in your word, and we need to be aware of that time to remind us, Father, that we need to be about your business. So I just pray that you might speak, Father, through your word to us and that we might continue to worship you. I thank you for, Father, giving us an atmosphere of praise through all that has gone on to this point in this time we have designated as worship service. And our desire is that we would worship you, the one and only God. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. There are some who teach that in the new covenant, and since the time of Jesus Christ, that the nation of Israel has just been absorbed into the church. And when it speaks of Israel, it talks about the church of Jesus Christ. Christ. But it's interesting as you look through the Scriptures, there is still definite mention of the nation of Israel. And God does not give up on the people that He called and He set aside a great nation for His purposes. And I think one of the amazing evidences that God still has a place, a prominent role for Israel is the continued persecution that Israel has faced and continues to face. In the scriptures, and we see over and over again of the suffering. But that's also true through history. In the second century, Jews in Egypt and the Mesopotamian region were sold into slavery. And there were so many slaves that they were sold at the same price you would sell a horse In the 11th century, there were hundreds of thousands of Jews that were slaughtered in the Crusades. And then approximately a thousand years ago, Jews were banished from England. And then in France and Germany, they were blamed for the Black Plague that took so many lives. And you say, but that was so long ago. But history continues. During the days of Columbus... You know, it sailed the ocean blue in 1492, and so we can remember that year. At that time, all the Jews were driven out of Spain. And then in the 1780s, there was a bloodbath in France. And there was a need for a new government and a new constitution. And Thomas Jefferson, of course from our land, went across the sea and met with a leader of France in developing the words of a new constitution in a society that wanted to leave God out, that was godless. And words that sound familiar to us, but they're not quite the same. All men are born and remain free and equal in rights. Yet there's no mention of the Creator. And as you dig down deeper into that constitution of the french in the 1780s that was written and developed there were three groups of people that were persecuted there were actors well you know you just had to go into a new profession you know forget the theater that meant suffering there were protestants and you know if you had to you could find a group that loved and met with jesus that didn't fall under that line of persecution. And then there were the Jews. So ultimately, in the late 1700s in France, Jews were persecuted and left out of those rights that were considered to be free and equal for all. And then about 130 years ago, in the Habsburg Library in Vienna, there was a young man in his 20s that stood before an exhibit of a spear that many believe was the actual spear that pierced the side of Jesus Christ. And as he listened to this tour guide, he heard the tour guide say, this spear has mystical power, and the one who controls this spear will have power throughout the world. And so this young man heard those words, and he was moved, and at that moment... He thought about what he hated. He hated Jews and he hated Christians. And and he he thought, if you would just give me that power with this sword or this spear, I'll come back and I'll take this spear and I'll take the power that you want to give to me. And of course, that young man was Adolf Hitler. And one of his friends, Walter Stein, in his book, wrote these words after Hitler had... Come back, he ended up taking that spear in his quest to control the world. But here's what Steiner wrote. He said, As he stood before that spear, Hitler stood like a man in a trance. The very space around him seemed enlivened with some kind of strange light. He appeared transformed as if some mighty spirit inhabited his very soul, creating within and around him an evil transformation. And it was said that once he gained control of the spear, he said, I now hold the world in my hands. As many went around saying, how Hitler and Jews were burned in furnaces. There was persecution. In the early 1990s, there was a video game that was created that was very popular among the Austrians and the Germans called KZ, which was short for concentration camp. ...in uh, the German lingo. And in this game, amazingly enough... uh, ...you got points for gassing Jews... ...and for taking out gold fillings. And you received more points by being able to do it in such a way... ...that there was not an awareness outside of the camp of what was going on. And it said at one point... ...in that decade of 2000 or 2010... As many as 61% of the young people in Austria and Germany were familiar with the game or played the game on a regular basis. And we can we can go on. I'm not trying to give an exhaustive um, catalog of how the Jews were persecuted. I mean, just recently, as we have heard about the battle that's going on as it's gone on through history of the Palestinians and the Jews, where the leader of Iran said that his desire was to be able to extinguish and to wipe out the Jews. This battle has been going on, and the devil knows about this as well. He wants to wipe out the Jews because he knows that God wants to work through the Jews. Matter of fact, in the book of Revelation, we read about the 144,000 evangelists in the end times that go out with the message of Jesus. He knows about those 144,000 evangelists. He wants to wipe them out. He wants to take away God's truth and His Word and His mission. And so he is at work. But I want to look at our text this morning as we're introduced to this red dragon. Let's look first at the first two verses. It tells us a great and wondrous sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was able to give birth. Now, notice first here, it tells us that this woman is representative, symbolic of something else. It's a great and wondrous sign that appeared. And this is not the first time in the book of Revelation that a woman is mentioned who has significance. In chapter 2, we read about Jezebel, who was a leader who took people away from the true God and espoused a false religion in chapter 17 is spoken of a harlot who followed the religion of the antichrist opposed to the lord jesus christ in chapter 19 we see another woman who is mentioned symbolically we're talking about the bride of christ the bride of the lamb the wife of jesus but here in chapter 12 who does this woman represent well as you look through commentaries at least came up with five options that i want to mention just real quick uh the first option was mary baker Eddy. in the late 1800s said that she was the woman and that the child born was the church of christian scientists and uh well when she died she found out she wasn't the woman and uh, the it didn't follow that, so it's not that one. The second one, the Roman Catholic Church in teachings, believe that this woman is Mary and that she ascended into heaven, and there is a sense of deity that equates her with the Lord Jesus Christ. And Mary is is a wonderful, godly lady that God used, but she's not divine. She's not on equal terms with Jesus. So I don't believe it's that one. Third view holds that the woman is God Himself. But God was not born from God. God always is. God always will be. That's not the way that one works. And later it says he runs from the dragon. Well, God's not going to run from Satan. And, And the fourth view is the woman's the church. The church is the bride of Christ. But she's not the woman who gives birth to Christ. Jesus Christ gave birth to the church. That would be backwards. So the view that's left is that this woman is representative of Israel. The Jews. God's people. And if you think about it, Jesus came from the seed of the Jews. He was a Jew. And, and He is the promised Messiah. And Israel was under the heel of Rome facing Persecution. And there's the underlying drama of how Herod wanted to wipe out all those babies because he heard of a king that was coming and he was jealous and he was afraid. In Matthew 2.16, we read about that as Herod, he gets the wise men together and he says, tell me about this child. Where will this child be born? And then in the next couple of verses that follow, in Matthew 2.17 and 18, we read about this great suffering that occurs during that tragic time, just read it real quickly here. He says, um, Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Look at this picture, too, of the woman in chapter 12 here. It says a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. And there's a parallel here in the last book of the Bible with the first book of the Bible. As you turn to Genesis chapter 37, it talks about Joseph and his dreams that he has, where he, he gathers the family around and he tells them about these dreams, and there's a real similarity in the dreams in chapter 37, there is reference to this son who is Jacob, who is to receive those promises that came down from Abraham that fulfilled that covenant of God to his promised people. The moon referring to his mother, Rachel, who would give birth to these 12 nations, those 12 sons that represent the 12 tribes of Israel from which the Messiah would be born. So there's this parallel here that represents this woman as Israel. All right, I want to move down here from the woman next to look at the red dragon himself, this picture of evil. In the next two verses, three and four. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon, with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his heads. His tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth the dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that he might devour her child at the moment it was born you know so often we run away from revelation because of so much of the symbolism it sounds like a horror horror story gone mad we read about dragons on the loose and and death and and blood and all kinds of destruction but this particular Section of Scripture that describes the red dragon. It's not speaking so much of what he looks like. It's speaking of what he acts like. This is how he will behave. This is not just his appearance. This is his actions. It's not just his person. It's his plans. And I want to just look at these real quick as I outline. The first one is destroyer. Notice what he says here in verse 3. He says, An enormous red dragon there's one other place in the book of revelation um, that red the color red is used and by the way let me say this verse nine gives us the identity of the dragon look with me down at verse nine real quick before i jump here we read the great dragon was hurled down that ancient serpent called the devil (laughs) or satan who leads the whole world astray he was hurled to the earth And his angels with him. So we have his identity. He's the devil. He's the great adversary. That's who this red dragon is. In chapter 6 verse 4. The other time that red is used. It is speaking specifically of a horseman. Chapter 6 verse 4. It says then another horse came out. A fiery red one. (laughs) Its rider was given power to take place from the earth. And to make men slay each other. To him was given a large sword. And so the picture here is of a destroyer. You see, the devil's heart, it always has been, Jesus said that the thief has come to steal and to kill and destroy. And in this picture, he's a destroyer to take the blood of others and destroy mankind. That's his heart, his mission. Secondly, he's seen as a dictator. In verse 3, as we discover his identity it describes him having ten horns and seven crowns on his heads in the book of Daniel which we uh, studied can't keep track of time a couple of years ago we actually looked at detail in this and these represent these kingdoms we'll look at this later just for time suffice it to say that he will be a dictator as that last ruler, as that empire of ten nations that are set up and opposed to Christ, to set up that world order that's opposed to God. Third, he's pictured as a deceiver. Notice what it says here in verse 4. His tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. As we look in the books of Ezekiel and Isaiah, we learn that this is a reference to a third of the angels who chose to follow this red dragon, the devil, the one opposed to God, who wanted to be God himself. And thus, he was thrust out of heaven. And so were a third of those angels who became demons and who are awaiting judgment. And we're not told specifically how many there are. Well, let's just say more than enough, plenty. Matter of fact, as we read in Second Kings six seventeen, if you remember that story where Elisha is is there with another, and there's fear and there's quaking, as they are surrounded by the enemy, and Elisha says, "Lord, hope in his eyes so he can see." And when he sees, he sees angelic warriors as far as his eyes can behold, everywhere. So, enough sin. There's enough angels where we can't see how many there are. And a third here, follow the enemy. But praise be to God. He says, greater is the one who is within you than he that's in the world, the the victory. Finally, he's described as a devourer. Look at this last part here in verse 4. It says, the dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that he might devour her child. The moment it was born. I believe this was a reference. Well, just read Matthew 2. Where Herod wanted to kill that baby. He He wanted to take the life of that king. That was a threat to him. But ultimately it was a threat to Satan himself. Because Satan wanted to stop and thwart God's plan. Because he wants to rule. And the best way to hurt God is to destroy his people. To take out that Messiah. That deliverer. That was his plan. So we close here with the son. A look at the son. In verse 5 we read, She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. We know that this one who came as a suffering servant will return as king of kings and lord of lords. He will be the one that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God. That that is the one who will return. That is the one who we will see again. Down here in verse 13 we read, When the dragon saw that he had been hurled to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. As we look around us, there's still a pursuit to destroy Israel to destroy the nation, to destroy God's people that are set aside for His purposes, that He has called His chosen people. Um, We we see it all around us uh, with these crazy stuff that we see with these suicide bombers that want to take out the Jews. One commentator quoted from an article in Harper's Magazine. In the article, he talked about a Muslim mother when she was interviewed, and she described the mission of her son to die with honor as a suicide bomber. She said, Because I love my son, I encouraged him to die a martyr's death for the sake of Allah. Jihad is a religious obligation encumbered upon us, and we must carry it out. I sacrificed my son as a part of that obligation. I asked Allah to give me ten Israelis for my son, and Allah granted my request. The son made his dream come true, killing ten Israeli settlers and soldiers. Our God honored him even more in that there were many Israelis who were wounded. She doesn't even realize that the God who is being served is a red dragon. It, it to wipe out God's people, his, his Jews, his, his holy nation. Um, in the story of Cory Ten Boom, who Cindy and I have loved for years, uh, that wonderful story of her family, how, how uh, the hiding place, and they would hide Jews in their home to keep them from being captured and going to these concentration camps and, and, and to face all this persecution And uh, when they carried him away, Casper Ten Boom, when he was finally called and he did not survive in the concentration camp, he died there he said it is an honor to give my life for God's people for the Jews and I am willing to do that and, and you see we talked about the Sunday school ironically enough Muslims are not our enemies. That's They need Jesus. They're blind. The Bible tells us the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays Christ who is the image of God. They can't see the image of God. They, they don't understand the gospel and they are blind to that. It reminds me of Nicodemus as a Jew. By the way, Jews also... I don't care, they're God's chosen people. But God sent His Son to the cross, and that's the only way they come in as well. Remember Nicodemus, as he came to Jesus at night. He was a good Jew. He had it together in that regard. But his heart was empty. And so he came to Jesus, and, you know, I'm a good Jew, teacher. He said, unless, Jesus speaking to him said, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Hey, it's not enough to be a good church person. Not enough to have your religion ducks in a row. You've got to be born from above. And of course, we know John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that's His one and only Son, that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. But that comes only through Jesus. And so the Muslims and the Jews... They have the same problem you and I have. They need a savior. Hey, that is that is the call. As I wrap this thing up, verse 6, we read about the woman fleeing into the wilderness. It says the woman fled into the desert to a place prepared for her by God where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. Of course, it's interesting here as we look at 1,260 days, that's three and a half years so We're talking about the last part of the tribulation, that second half of suffering that the Bible predicts, which will occur in that last time. Many believe that, in this text here, that the Jews will flee to a place called Petra, which is a city that's cut into a mountain of rock. that that will be the place of protection where they will flee. It's interesting here, it says that they will flee to a place prepared by God. There's one other place where this is used, and I bet many of you guys know. John 14, verse 3. Remember what Jesus said? If I go, I will prepare a place for you. For you, I will prepare a place for you. And I will return for you. <laughs> so you can come with me to that Place that I prepared. Just as the Jews will will cry out to God for His protection, He has provided a source of protection on the cross. Through Jesus. Through our Savior. Hey, and that is the message. And and as I close um, this message, as we look at this red dragon, in all of his power, he's defeated. I love what Warren Wiersbe said. He said, we do not fight for victory. We fight from victory. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. As we've taken some time to look at the major players. Of those opposed to Christ. At the Red Dragon this morning. I pray, Father, that if there's anyone here who, Father, has not turned to the Son who is Israel's seed. Jesus Christ in the sight. To find freedom from the march of that red dragon. Who's even now plotting and on the move. For his desire is to kill and to steal and destroy. But you have come to give life to the full. Father, I pray that our hearts would be open to that life. Maybe there's someone here who needs to receive that life this morning. To say, Jesus, forgive me. Enter my heart. Save me from the movement of the red dragon who wants to destroy me. That sin has that grasp on me, but you've come to set me free. And and I pray, Father, that if there's a tug on a heart ear, that that person would come to the altar to pray, to, to say yes to you. And, and, and Father, to do business with the living God and find forgiveness. And then you start, like Nicodemus did, to be able to say, I have been born again, born from above, and now I have Father, may that occur this morning. That's our heart. That's our desire. Father, as we stand, as we sing, as we follow you, Lord, do something among us where we'll be able to say, that's Jesus. That's our heart, Lord. In Christ's name we pray.